Okay, so welcome to Open Sources Guelph here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico, and joining me is... Scotty Hertz to Adam. I meant to ask you, have you joined the Wordle cult yet that everybody else has during these times, or no? No, no, I do the Wordle every day. You do? Okay, I do too. I have to admit it, I do too. We're going to do the Wordle until uh, everybody resigns. (laughs) That's right. Well, the New York Times buys it. And uh, we don't know how long we'll be able to do it for. So. Uh, I think you mean buys it and ruins it, but... Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, I mean, on, on the other hand, big payday for the Wordle guy, who's... I think his name is Wordle. Or is it yeah, Wordle? Or, yeah. Wordle, yeah. Yeah. It was, it's like one letter off. So, I mean, good for him. Uh, he got us all ensnared in his trap and then sold out to the New York Times, um, which is, I believe, the American dream, even though he's from the UK. At least from the UK, from the words he uses. But anyway. <laughs> That's right. Not to mention the spellings, but we'll leave that there. Yeah, yeah. Open Sources is CFRU's political and current affairs discussion show. And you can find us here every Thursday at 5 p.m. as we talk about the latest news items from Guelph, Ontario, Canada, and around the world. And we sometimes interview local newsmakers and politicians, which this week will be the Communist Party of Ontario leader, Drew Garvey. And he will talk about another protest that happened last weekend and why he thinks peace should be a matter of provincial interest this election. And we also talk about other issues. That's at the bottom of the hour. Before that, we're going to talk about a few news items from the last week, including Aaron O'Toole. In case you didn't hear, he is out as the conservative leader. So we're now going on to our third leadership race in six years. Who's next? But first... Absolutely nothing bad happened in Ottawa this week. The end. Uh, that's, of course, a lie because uh, lots of lots of bad things happened in Ottawa, um, although nobody's been seriously injured or killed, which is apparently the only metric the Ottawa police service is using, um, <laughs> despite the uh, the numerous, uh, I guess, deviant affairs from, oh, let's see flying nazi and confederate flags uh there was desecration of the tomb of the unknown soldier in the national war memorial there was uh stealing stealing hot meals from homeless people uh there was parking your truck and letting it run for days on streets all around parliament hill burning tires for warmth because you refuse to put on a mask so you can get into a hotel room uh what else have we got (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Am I forgetting the honking, anything? The honking. The endless honking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, where do you, I mean, I, I mean, it almost feels trite at this point to talk about the Nazi stuff because it's like not, not to marginalize the Nazi stuff, but I mean, we've talked about it to death at this point. Uh, I'm more aghast now that it, there's just like, and there, there's a, there's a sort of like us, I don't know what connections there are, but there's also a similar protest in, coots alberta right now on the border um and we'll get to that in a second too because there's some specific things that going on with that that i i feel like we should point out but the, the one in ottawa the thing that galls me is like we're into day six or seven now and the police just so powerless and for the and the uh chief slowly i think his name is peter slowly comes out Mm. today and says oh no everything is going according to plan and you have residents in ottawa like what plan you're gonna you're standing there and watching them honk horns and run their engines all day and like filling the streets with pollution and watching them roll down our 
our residential streets and like grandmas have to get out and stand in front of the truck like it's freaking Tiananmen Square to get like some kind yeah. of action. But, I mean, I think that's I think we're at the face of this now where it's not so much on the protesters. It's on the police action. Yeah, well, the police have everything set to white, right? So that's why. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm paraphrasing someone there, but that's exactly what happened. It was pointed out almost right away that if this was any other group, whether it was a, a, a other working people like trade unionists or mm-hmm. a Black Lives Matter protest or homeless people or particularly an indigenous protest, how long would it have lasted? How long would it have been until they called in the SWAT team and the army and whoever else to get them the hell out of there? But that didn't happen. And the, I mean, <clears throat> obviously still, well, it's not a lot going on, but it's the same thing going on. They've run out of things to do. And the problem is the the big problem with this putting aside the fash flags and all of that garbage, because we can't focus on a few bad apples. Oh yes, we can, <laughs> by the way, but anyway, yeah. put, put that aside. The key problem with this thing is that they're not organized. Mm-hmm. There is no, I mean, there are people claiming to be organizers and the, whoever is going to walk away with the 10 million from the GoFundMe or whatever the heck is going on there. Mm-hmm. It shows that they aren't organized. It's just, well, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to have a street party, the equivalent of a frat party, and we can't go to the washroom. So we're going to go on people's lawns and we're going to go on the memorial and we're just going to walk around and make a, a lot of noise. But that's all That's all it amounts to. And then in the, the subplot of which there's many was this strange paperwork surfacing once again. It's like, okay, we're going to present this and then they have to sign it and then they're not the government anymore. Like, do you honestly think that's how this works? Do you think this is how this works? And the answer is no. Mm-hmm. So there's, it's, it's chaos. It's, it's possibly the most chaotic and obnoxious Mm-hmm. a demonstration that Ottawa's ever seen. And there's been lots, right? Since however long, right? Right. So that's, I mean, there are lots of problems with this, but it's like, if you were, if you were honestly trying to get this message across about truckers and vax mandates, then that's the message. You stick to it, do what you're doing um, within legal bounds. Right. But right. that's obviously there, there are no, the, the, the legal bounds are gone. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's been three arrests. There's been some people hauled in maybe, but this is just, it just proves a lot. It proves a lot. That, well, I mean, the, how, how they, how the goalposts change for certain groups and others are just sidelined. The, so. the three arrests is galling. And they're like, people have pointed out that, you know, somehow parking tickets are still being handled, handed out in downtown Ottawa. Strange for it's not the, for the trucks parking in the middle of the road. Um, <laughs> it's for like reporters on who are trying to cover it on the hill. It's for, you know, delivery people. It's for somebody who stopped to drop off um, goods for uh, a, a relative and they come back to their car and it's got a ticket on it. You know, if <laughs> bylaws this invisible, then surely they could sneak into the protest zone and start handing it. I mean, if these people are getting like a ticket every hour and that's the thing the trick too. would be put an f trudeau flag on your car and then you'd probably be okay right well i i saw somebody make that joke on twitter no but, i didn't <laughs> <laughs> but to get back to the point about like a few bad apples um you you can point to the nazi i mean the one of the most galling things was michael cooper who got he was doing an interview with like a nazi flag behind him he's like nazi flag where's a nazi flag but leaving that aside you can point to and say you can point to the nazis and say okay there's a few bad apples like 
like a mess like this attracts people who want to make a bigger mess. Fair enough. But it's it's like the sheer like um you know, it's like building it kind of case by case. You've got the Nazis and the Confederates. Okay. You've got the people who are harassing um people in shops like the redo center has been closed for a week um going in there and like saying hey take off your mask and show your smile and then you have the people who are going into soup kitchens and stealing from homeless people you got the people partying on the tomb of the unknown soldier you have the people relieving themselves on people's lawns you have the people who are desecrating people's property like if there's a fright like a, a pride flag up uh some jagoff will go and rip it down there's the one story for uh i saw on twitter this morning with a uh, woman said she was leaving her gym she didn't take her mask off because you know it's february and it's cold in ottawa so she left it on <laughs> it's masks masks can serve more than one function but she leaves mm-hmm. her gym and some trunker rolls past her slows down and starts yelling at her to take off her mask and if she doesn't take off her mask he's gonna follow her home or he'll rip it off and rip some other things off get what he means so you know, the, the, the proportionality of all of this, the, the tonnage of all this, it's not one or two bad apples. Yeah, you can look at a crowd and go, okay, here's 20 people, one bad apple. But when you get a thousand people and there's bad apple in this group of 10, bad apple in this group of 10, at what point do you say there are enough bad apples to spoil the whole bunch? That is, I think, a, a question that not just the people in the crowd who are quote unquote the good ones have to answer but i mean also um people in you know people like pierre polyver who are meeting with them and it's like oh these are good played canadian folks they're page i'm not sure why i did that voice for pierre polyver but it's it suits it fits (laughs) it it gets the point across (laughs) yeah and there's like a ton of Trump flags and paraphernalia. The police are saying, and I don't know if it's just on the basis of the of the Trump stuff and and even American flags that are there. It's like, well, there's a, there's an American influence there. Mm-hmm. Um, you I mean, if, you do you don't say. <laughs> well, <laughs> I it, that is amazing to me because it's like it's, it's supposed to be the all not the all Canadian protest, but it can the it's so obvious the influence that's bleeding up. But mm. people will have been saying it's like, oh no, that's you know that's not us, that's not what it's about. It's like if you go to a march or a protest mm-hmm. where there are avowed racists involved who set the thing up, where there are people who talk insurrections, like yeah, we're just gonna go shoot everybody. Uh, if there's, you know, cult members, whatever, then that's the event you went to, mm-hmm. right? That's the, I, I've, people know this. I do lots of marches and demonstrations. I was at the G20. There was a diverse range of opinion there. There mm-hmm. were people ended up in that, that destroyed windows. You have to own that, right? Mm-hmm. You have to own that or disown it and say, you know, there, there is a way to do that and the g for everything that was going on the g20 is very organized but the amount the, i mean the police presence there was the most i've ever seen in my life phenomenal mm-hmm. yeah and ottawa can't rustle up enough people to to deal with this and now they're talking about calling in this is the for everything whether it's covid or other well we should call we should call in the army <laughs> uh, yeah that's that's what it might take they might need military style vehicles to move the damn trucks out of the way mm-hmm. but if you're i mean and I'm sure you've heard it on there's little bits on Twitter and elsewhere. The horn honking. Oh yeah. The horn honking is like a it was a woman in, in 
where is it? Is it Vanier? Like nearby, like nowhere near the downtown. And she's on the phone and doing this film and saying, uh, I'd like to make a noise complaint. And you can hear it. <laughs> like any of the reporters that are in the zone who have been abused, by the way, as well, most of them at yep. least. Yep. Anybody who's there for any period of time is going to have hearing loss. And they're probably going to have Omicron at the end of it as well. <laughs> there was reports of them being on the, the truck. Oh, I'm not feeling so good. You know, you're partying all weekend. You're up all night. You're sleeping in a truck. Mm. You're all breathing on each other because you don't have masks. Yeah, you're probably going to get Omicron. And you're not vaccinated in all likelihood. It's like, yeah. And yeah. you're burning tires for, for poor <laughs> Donald Kant. Like, and, you know, it's, yeah, it's. Yeah. It's 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 like a it's it's a it's an environmental and health disaster. Um, and and to add to what you're saying too, I, I've been there's one woman on Twitter who's sort of been tuning into the Zillow channels. Um, if you don't know what Zillow is, it's like a walkie-talkie app for your phone. Um, but you know they, they have like a Zillow channel for the the convoy. Um, that they've kind of they're kind of stopped using it because it's mostly trolls listening to them now. But. Um, <laughs> Like somebody I mean, tweeting everything they say. <laughs> right. But, you know, you hear these discussions where it's like, oh, uh, we, we, you know, we don't have any money to fill up. We don't have any money to get GAT. Like, can someone help us out? And it's like, okay, well, where's this $10 million? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, and, and it, it seems there, there seems to be a cognitive dissonance there. Somebody's raising $10 million for this. Are they not spreading that money out? But, I mean, that's that's almost an entirely different subject altogether. It's, it's one that I wish, too, that the the national press would would go after more than the are there good people in this crowd of not so good people but uh i do want to talk about the coots blockade because yeah. it's in alberta where they surprise where they passed this rancid critical infrastructure defense act in the middle of the first wave of the pandemic in 2020 so they could stick it to the indigenous people who shut down one train crossing in the middle of nowhere west of Edmonton and it mm -hmm. was gone in 10 hours remember when you could take down a blockade in 10 hours with like a court injunction police and a bunch of local yahoos helping out apparently we can't do that anymore in downtown Ottawa but I digress but here it is in the <laughs> middle of Coot, like not in the middle of Coot, but you know at Coots Alberta at the border you have all these truckers trying to bring stuff over the border. Where's all this concern about the supply chain? I don't know. Where's all this concern about the working man truckers? I don't know because they're being stopped from doing their jobs and bringing stuff into the country. But Alberta has this law. They said was if you disrupt our critical infrastructure, we get to go in and break skulls. Not literally. That's not in the law. But I mean, that is essentially the essence of it. Yeah. And nothing. Several days later, they tried to, the RCMP gave a tepid attempt to get that block and then a bunch more like zoomed in and 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 like drove across farm fields where's the respect for our farmers and uh you know to to um enhance the blockade and crashed into a passenger vehicle yeah and then yeah. assaulted the person that was driving it because they were all driving on the wrong side of the road to rush <laughs> to the border yeah but it sounds like there's been a, a break in that there, there is there is an opening now and they've kind of pulled to the side and our you know traffic has resumed to what degree I don't know but they're like well you know we could always close it again mm -hmm. when we want to because mm -hmm. <clears throat> as one as one I'm not even gonna say trucker as a person there was like because God makes the law mm -hmm. not the government mm -hmm. so you know I don't I'm not sure who gave him his trucking license or whatever but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't know I don't think he got it at church. 
but anyway, that's his philosophy, whatever. But uh, yeah, same thing. There's no one. There was a shot on the news of, of police moving in, but I think they were just moving in to talk. Mm-hmm. Right. They're just moving in to have a chat. Mm-hmm. Could you please move your truck rather than, as you said, the heavy handed response that comes with every single other situation like this? Mm-hmm. Just try it. Mm-hmm. Just anyone else try this and see how long it lasts. Yeah. Minutes. Minutes, you will, probably. You'll never be able to convince me that if the people in Ottawa were black, brown, or indigenous, this would still be happening. It would have been done on Saturday. But and, yeah, and there is, it's kind of like the U.S. Capitol in that there is some crossover between federal jurisdiction and the city of Ottawa. But mm-hmm. so what? Mm-hmm. I'm sure they have a relationship for anything that goes on at Parliament Hill, whether it's Canada Day, which always has way more people than anything going on in Ottawa right now. Um, and it looks like they're probably going to get snow bombed in in the next, if they haven't been already. So it's yeah. just going to get more and more interesting, but also sad at the same time. And it's like, who knows? We don't know how this is going to end. It probably will be like <clears throat> tanks for the first time since, I don't know, World War II. Who yeah. knows? Well, I'll make one, two more points before we move on. Uh, apparently, more people in Canada got their first vaccine shot last Saturday than we're at Ottawa. So, I mean, that gives you an idea of scale. Um, and then the second part is... Uh, did I forget the second part I was going to bring up? Maybe we'll come around to it. Um, <laughs> Probably. In part two here. I'm, I'm sure you will. Two, maybe. Um, This is still kind of breaking news as we're recording. Uh, Aaron O'Toole is definitely done. A vote in the Conservative caucus. He lost 35 to 73, if I've got my numbers right here. 73 to 45, I think, was the... Yeah, so So either way, he lost. 75 people in the the Conservative caucus that he is done. He has resigned as the official opposition leader and the leader of the conservative party that is going to kick off a new leadership race in the conservative party. They are in the process as we're recording right now of choosing the interim leader. Um, There are at least a dozen different candidates who may be interested in that role. (laughs) But um, I got to say, like when I woke up on Saturday morning and I saw Aaron O'Toole and met with uh, the the convoy and had, you know, taken several pictures with them. uh, My first thought was, he's never winning an election again because that's going to be, st- I mean, I kept, I keep thinking about Stephen Harper coming out in favor of the Iraq war and he was still being, he was still getting tagged with that in liberal campaign materials in 2011. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was going to be, those pictures were going to be stapled to every attack ad on Aaron O'Toole and the conservative party till the end of time. And um, I mean, to, to, to watch him implode like this. I mean, I find it kind of disappointing because it seems like he was doing a genuine pivot to the center in the last election. But uh, I think what has sort of done him in, and uh, I was watching um, Evan Solomon earlier, uh, believe it or not. Um, Almost got the beer can to the head. Yeah. That <laughs> well, was something. yeah. I mean, I, I hate Evan Solomon as much as anyone, but I wouldn't throw a beer can at him. <laughs> but the... No. <laughs> um, I might sit out in front of his house and honk my horn until he quits TV, but that's another story. Um, <laughs> but no, he was saying like his source in the conservative party is like, it's the flip-flopping and I can't blame them because in 2017, he runs as a moderate in 2020. He runs to the far, not the far right, but to the right. He's talking about cancel culture. He's talking about take Canada back. He's talking about free speech on campus In the election. He pivots to the center. 
um, first action in parliament is like conversion therapy ban passes with unanimous consent, no conservative pushback. All right. Now we're now it seems like we're, we're on to something. And then immediately with this convoy, he pivots back to the right. And so who is Aaron O'Toole and what is the conservative party? I think those are questions that we're going to have to get new answers on in the next couple of weeks or months. Yep. I had a feeling that he was done when it was Tasha Carradin. The headline mm-hmm. in the National Post came up. I didn't read the article, but it said, Aaron O'Toole is done. So when the National Post says <laughs> that days before yeah. it happens, you know it's going to happen because it will happen, right? Yeah. You don't even need to read the rest. And it, lo- yeah, it looks like the, the, let's call them the right flank, is winning. And I saw one interesting theory today saying, you know, was it the convoy that finally did him in? Mm-hmm. Was it trying to navigate that whole thing? Because as we know, there's there's people who are sympathetic to it, like the Michael Coopers. What's with that guy? Anyway, Michael Cooper, <laughs> uh, Polyev, who is being touted like widely as, and I laughed uh, right away. I was like, oh yeah, Pierre, Pierre Polyev is going to be the next leader. <laughs> I was like, yeah. really? Are you sh- are you sure about that? It's mm-hmm. possible that he is, but he'll. Ne- I mean, I shouldn't say never because I said the same thing about Justin Trudeau years ago. Like he'll never be the prime minister. It's like <laughs> Canada will be a very hilarious country, and this show will be a treat to listen to if Pierre Polyev becomes prime minister. Uh, but we do know that the whoever becomes the interim cannot become the leader, so that will eliminate right. one of them. But I was thinking about this with Bernier, Maxime Bernier, circulating like all of there's there's. Part of the atmosphere there is like, think back to 2017. Like, how different would this have all been if Bernier had won in the whatever the heck it was, the 13th round against mm-hmm. Andrew Scheer? Mm-hmm. Would he have gone as far right as he did if he had gotten the gig? Would he have been able to, you know, keep the balance between the, let's just call them the reform forces. They, they call themselves the grassroots, but they're really the Republicans, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Republican wing the fundamentalists of the, uh, I don't mean that in a religious way, although there is an angle to that, of the conservatives, keeping the, the corporate types and the the social one, the social conservatives together mm-hmm. uh, is the trick. And say what you will about the man, Harper was able to do it. Mm-hmm. Harper, with the merger of the parties and all of that, creating the conservative party, he was able to do it. No one has been able to do it. And they're just they're burning through people like the liberals did at that one point, right? It was Ignatiev, and then it was, you know, just yeah. they're in that spot right now. And if, if they can't create some level of, of unity, even no matter how tenuous, like it's, the, it's just going to be liberals for the, for the foreseeable, right? Yeah, the, like the big winner this week is Justin Trudeau. Um, he, he doesn't strike me as the schadenfreude type, but I mean, if there was ever a time for schadenfreude, it, it, the whole thing with this, like Stephen Harper would never put up with this bozo eruption crap. Like Michael Cooper's like going out, I'm going to go out there and hang out with the convoy. Uh, Stephen Harper would get wind of this. You would be told to come to the PMO and you would never leave again. I don't mean like he would kill you in the prime minister's office. I mean, <laughs> he would kill he would kill whatever political ambitions you have. You'd be you stripped would, of your observer portfolio and whatever. Right. Right. Yeah. You Critic would, for for something. Right. You nothing. would you would yeah. leave like ha- half a <laughs> with with half the political ambition you went in with. I mean, at the end of the day, Aaron O'Toole, um, 
I put this meme on on Twitter. This uh, quote from The Simpsons: He was he was too crazy for Boys Town. He wasn't crazy, or he wasn't he was too much of a boy for Crazy Town, and he was not crazy enough for Boys Town. It's so he tried to play it both ways. You can't play it both ways. Um, he had to like he could there. there I don't know if there if it's true or not, but there could have been a world where he could have stuck to his centrist guns and said no. I am not going to go out and meet with the convoy like they are doing harm. I, I am here to criticize the prime minister and the government on like scientific data driven grounds. I don't think what they're doing is, is the right call. Like he could have done it that way, but instead he tried to play it both ways. And the idiocy of this, and this goes to Paul Vera too, if he thinks he's going to sidle in and scoop these people up and bring them back to the conservatives, they're not interested in joining Paul Vera. They're interested in, like, they love Bernier. Bernier's their guy. They're not going to abandon Bernier. Some might, I suppose, because a lot of these people are power hungry. Um, certainly the post-millennial did their part by endorsing Polyver over, <laughs> over, <laughs> over O'Toole on the weekend. But, like, the, in terms of the mass, I mean, if, if we're talking, like, 5 to 8% support, and that's kind of where it's at, um, you know, you're not going to get all that five, eight percent. They're not going to abandon Bernie because Bernie has been ideologically pure this whole time. Um, he hasn't well, been back and yeah, forth, like pushing, so. pushing a million votes. Right. Yeah. And yeah. that's essentially a million votes that the conservative party doesn't get. So as long as that schism, as long as that split, and it, I'm not even sure if it's, it's a real split off of it's made people that voted conservative, but there's also maybe a, a fringe that have, that have come to the, well, there's definitely a fringe that have come to the people's table. Right. Like if they can't recuperate some of that, even a portion of that, then they are never, ever going to. The house well, divided against itself can't stand. Who was that? Lincoln? I, I think so. It was right? Lincoln. Like, but I, I question yeah. how much of that is like if they can recover, like if does recovering that help? Like if they still won, um, you know, more of the popular vote than the liberals did. with But despite that big split with the PPC, um you know, they're still, um, you know, they're still behind in other areas of the country. They need to win the GTA, Southwestern Ontario, even Toronto proper. That's, that's how Stephen Harper won. He was able yep. to make inroads in these places. Aaron O'Toole wasn't, could he have done it in another election? Maybe might it have been a case of like, he's like kind of a placeholder centrist until they can appoint like someone who people aren't quite like someone who doesn't have to run on like a far right platform. Um, and then become like centrist after that. And, you know, with a kind of, you know, veneer of maybe fake centrism uh, that makes people wonder maybe, but at the end of the day, I've, I've been sort of watching the Canadian political news all day. And, and people are like, Ooh, it could be a battle between someone on the right or a moderate, like Michael Chong. And I'm like, if you think Michael, like, <laughs> That's it's like a pure media creation. Like I don't mean this as an insult to Michael Chong, but Michael no. Chong is, is the Mitt Romney of of Canada in that the media looks at him and says, "This is what a conservative looks like," and the vast majority of conservatives say, uh, "No, it isn't. We want the guy who looks like the uh, villain in a Tintin comic." So, <laughs> all right, rocking a mustache of some kind, right? Yeah. Yes, because at the end of the day, we we all have to remember uh, Pierre Polyver does look like a villain in a French comic book, yep. but I will, I will. And, and to say nothing and, of the fact in the middle of this mess, here's an MP from Ottawa 
who's egging all this on, which is something else that hasn't been talked about much this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not bilingual, so you'll never get the, well. Anyway. Oh, that's a, that's a good point too. But we'll yeah. have to leave that there. We're yeah. going to take a quick break and come right back with our interview with Drew Garvey. You are listening to Open Sources Guelph here on CFRU ninety three point three FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. Well, I hope that song plays me out one day, as it does so many other people. I guess we'll send that one out to Aaron O'Toole. That's our Royal Cat Records pick of the week. Royal Cat Records, 21 Mac Donnell in the downtown. The song was Enjoy Yourself. <laughs> A classic British, in other words, and other places, uh, end of the party song and a cover of a cover by This Specials. Mm-hmm. And... The album is called, I think it's called More Specials. I'll have to double check my notes, but almost 100%. Sure. Mm-hmm. If you're going to say these things, you shouldn't. Yeah, it's More Specials, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. I see you're putting as much preparation into our show as Joe Rogan is putting into his show. Um, Google things as we talk for four hours about, I don't know. Lobsters. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, well, we... We reached out to an old friend uh, was very involved in the Guelph political scene uh, about 10 years ago. Now he's a big shot provincial party leader. Uh, he's the leader of the conservative, uh, the, I almost said the conservative party of Ontario. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. That's a Freudian slip. The yeah. communist party of Ontario. Uh, his name is Drew Garvey. Um, and uh, we talk about all sorts of things. We talk about what, uh, he wants this election, this coming election to be about what he's going to be running on as the, the Communist Party leader. And uh, to begin with, we talk a little bit about a protest he was at last weekend that did not get a lot of attention, probably because the people who were protesting against World War Three over Ukraine were not stealing hot meals from homeless people. But uh, mm-hmm. we will leave that there. Let's talk to Drew Garvey, who uh, we caught up with earlier this week over the Zoom. So, Drew Garvey, welcome back to CFRU. How are you doing? I'm excellent. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's been a long time since I've been on CFRU. Uh, well, we're glad to have you. Um, I want to talk to you first about anyone who follows you on social media knows you were, uh, you're promoting some protests this weekend, but it's not the protests everybody's talking about. So what protests were Drew Garvey interested in this weekend? What was important to you this weekend? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, preventing World War III should be more on the. I, I, I would, I would have hoped that it would be more on more people's radar, but it seems like the show in Ottawa is <laughs> the thing everybody's <laughs> talking about. But there is a real potential with the escalations, um, uh, trying to bring Ukraine into NATO and uh, the um, the troops on the the border with Russia, although they haven't left Russia, which is an important thing to note. Um, you know, these are two of the world's biggest nuclear powers. So there we were involved in um, a number of uh, hands off, not not sorry, no war with Russia uh, uh, rallies across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, 
did that get good turnout? I, I unfortunately didn't see any news coverage about it. Um, but, uh, you know, our, did that sort of break through the noise for some people? Uh, yeah, I mean, for some people, it, it's, you know, we've noticed, I guess it's about uh, almost 20 years, 19 years since the big 2003 Iraq war mobilizations where there were hundreds of thousands of people out on the street. Um, unfortunately, that is no longer the case. <laughs> and we could talk about that for, a, for, for several reasons. Um, but I, I think there's been a lot of just um, propaganda put out there uh, around responsibility to protect and that um, Canada has this role to play to, to stop the big bag Russians. And um, some of it plays on the Cold War, although the Soviet Union is clearly not, not around anymore. Um, so no, I wouldn't say that we're close to mass opposition to preventing World War III, but we do need to get there. Um, and uh, this weekend was a pretty good start. I mean, we, we did get a lot of honks and support and, and whatnot in, in downtown Toronto. Well, that's good. Um, since you are a provincial uh, leader, uh, actually, I'm, I'm going to ask you about this first, because this kind of co- goes along with um, what's happening in Ottawa, what's happening uh, kind of just generally. And I'm sure you've seen this, too. People who are protesting vaccine mandates and vaccine certificates and masking. Uh, a word you frequently hear you used to describe it is communist. Uh, it's communist. Uh, all these mandates and all these rules. Would you mind taking a minute and explaining why it's not communist, seeing as how you are the provincial communist leader? <laughs> uh, well, maybe I'll maybe I'll just be like uh, contrarian or whatever. I think I think there's some nugget of truth to to saying it's communist because mm. um, you know, like I think what they're trying to say is that um, uh, there's these laws, whether it be whatever lockdowns or partial lockdowns or whatever, any kind of health, public health restrictions are um, infringing on somebody's right to do anything they want whenever they want. Mm. Um, so just kind of libertarianism, you know? Mm. So in that sense, yeah, I mean, we live in a society, so, um, you know, you, you do need to, to do things that are determined by, by law and by the, by the, by the circumstances. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and you've seen in, in socialist countries, actually, um, you've seen in, in most cases a, a far greater ability to mobilize health resources in a way that can actually um, roll back the pandemic. Um, so you see that, you know, just in terms of the, the death per millions in, in China or even to Cuba, in, in Cuba or, or Vietnam, um, you know, the numbers are way, way lower. Mm. So in a sense... Yes, health, public health restrictions are, at the very least, you know, some kind of, you could say that they're related to socialism or something. And in, in any case, it's not just rabid capitalism of like, you know, no government regulation or what have you, um, that only the strongest will survive. Um, but uh, no, I mean, Justin Trudeau is not a communist, for sure. Um, whether he's related to Fidel Castro or not, I don't know. And this is the ultra-right conspiracy theory, right? Yes. But uh, no, Justin Trudeau and the, the Liberals provincially, um, and even the NDP, uh, the NDP is courting big business, but I'd say the Liberal Party definitely represents big business. Mm. Um, and these people are fundamentally against um, against socialism, <clears throat> for sure. But it's, uh, I, I think what people are confused about is that, you know, different sections of business want to bring in 
um, some public health guidelines in order to like flatten the curve, you know, so basically things don't really go to hell, um, right. like fully to hell. <clears throat> but they're willing to 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 tolerate a fair amount of death and destruction, of, as we've seen, um, mm. in order to keep the economy going, uh, which means keep the people with money making more money, which we've absolutely seen during the pandemic. Um, but, you know, and then there's this, all, the ultra right, the People's Party folks that are in Ottawa, <clears throat> they want no, no restrictions. So, mm. like, absolutely live in the moment. Whatever happens, happens. The strongest will survive. And that's where you get the kind of fascist mentality of... Um, uh, just rabid libertarianism and stuff. I would point out that everybody thinks they're the strongest in, in that camp, which is um, kind of, del- I, I, I was going to say kind of delusional, but I mean, it uh, not in a clinical way, but that, that is kind of in the, in the back head of all of this is everybody thinks they're the strongest. And that if, if they are the, the fraction of 1% that catches COVID, they will not die. They will not be that one, that, that person that dies from COVID. So, well, good luck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. I do want to talk about election stuff. Um, what, it, you know, in terms of what you, what do you think the big issue, if, if there is like sort of one big issue um, is going to be at this election and, um, and, and is that separate from, you know, sort of what uh, your party is going to be pushing for? Um, do you think, is it, is it, is there a difference between what do you think the big issue is going to be and what you as the, the leader of the Communist Party is going to fight for? Yeah. What, what, what we think it should be versus what it probably will be or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, this is a this is a pretty unpredictable election. Uh, at least I'm having trouble predicting it uh, <laughs> a few months out. I'd be interested to know what you think. But um, I, I think it'll likely be a referendum on Doug Ford. Um, mainly because the opposition parties, the Liberals and the NDP, um, have failed to really gain any traction or put forward a, a real positive program of any alternative platform for Ontario. Um, so I think it'll be mainly like, are you with or against Doug Ford? Um, and Doug Ford's polling has been recently down, but you know it's been up and down, up and down, like throughout the um, the uh, his one term, you know. So it's, it's really difficult to know what will happen on election day. I, I think it's basically a three-way race right now between the Liberals, the NDP, and the, and the Tories. Um, but really, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. I mean, Doug Ford has been just a disaster. We've had, you know, 15 years of, of the Liberals that came in after Mike Harris, which was the, Mike Harris was probably the worst government in Ontario history in terms of just the amount of, um, uh, you know, the, the depths of the cuts that they made in the 1990s and the liberals came in and pretended that they were going to fix things. And then they just continued to cut, but at a, at a low, a slower pace. And then people got so fed up with that, that they elected George, uh, George, uh, Doug, <laughs> Dougie on a, um, on a, uh, protest vote basically. Um, and then he just tried to cut as much as he could, um, totally failed in multiple ways we could talk about during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think Ontarians are are at least as pissed off as they were in, in uh, 2018 when they elected Doug Ford. So it's difficult to know where that anger uh, will go. Um, in terms of the Communist Party, I, I mean, I don't. it shouldn't be a referendum just on Doug Ford. Absolutely, we need to get rid of Doug Ford if we're going to bring in any, any kind of real change. Um, but that's one step on, on a path to, to win fundamental change that we really need in Ontario. 
and, and we need it in Ontario and around the world because, um, you know, we've, we've got climate change. We've got, we were just talking about what's going on in Ottawa. We've got a rising ultra-right and potentially fascism. Um, and the only way that's going to be combated is if people are given a fundamental different in ter- difference in terms of raising their living standards and wages, um, uh, as opposed to continued austerity and um, uh, worsening living standards, which is really giving rise to a lot of, a lot of this kind of anger and ultra-right um, uh, stuff that we're seeing. Yeah. Um, and then of course, war, which we, we, you know, we, we will definitely not be, uh, uh, talked about it during the provincial election, but should be because, um, you know, with the, the new cold war on, on China, especially, um, this is not, you know, the Iraq war was terrible. We had a hundred thousand people out in the streets to oppose the Iraq war, uh, led to a million deaths in Iraq. Absolutely terrible, illegal war And Canada was even, you know, not directly involved, but well, it was in the end, Iraq War Three or whatever. Mm. Um, but um, but a war with Russia or China, like that's a world war. That's uh, that's a real catastrophe. So that should be on people's radar too. Maybe we could take a minute because um, you know Ontario doesn't decide to go to war; Canada does. So just looking at sort of the the jurisdictional nature of this, um, how how does making sort of war and international diplomacy like a provincial issue how how does that work well it works because people talk about politics during a during any kind of election and Mm. um, let's face it the constitution in canada is terrible in terms of the division of powers like you know give the provinces all the things that we're not supposed to care about like health and education and all the stuff that we want underfunded and let the big boys in ottawa deal with the military and uh, you know it's it's not a constitution for the people so to a certain extent, I regret, I, I, I reject being too tied to, to jurisdictions. Mm. Um, but absolutely, I mean, um, and there, there was like during when there were real movements for peace in Canada during the, um, the 80s, for example, against, you know, Star Wars or against um, nuclear deployment of nuclear weapons to Canada during the Cold War and stuff. Quite often you'd have cities passing like resolutions for being a zone for peace or like not letting uh, different development of military infrastructure happen in their, in their cities or whatever. So there are things that different levels of government can do to speak out against, against war. Um, but yeah, it won't be the provincial government that sends in the troops or whatever. We have to choose to make it an issue is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of, you know, some of the stuff you were talking about, you know, things like healthcare, things like, you know, securing, good work conditions for people. We're talking about the broader issues of the social safety net, which I think everybody has seen take the strain during the pandemic. If there was ever a time we were going to talk about how we revamp those things and make them more equitable and and help raise people up, this would be the time. Do you have a sense that people are ready for that kind of big conversation about how we revamp those those things? things Things like ODSP, where you still get $700 a month and rent is, you know, twice that for a a one bedroom apartment, even someplace like Wolf, you know, just things, things that, you know, we were, we set up in the, you know, the seventies and the eighties and we just haven't updated yet. Um, Is is there an appetite for those big conversations? Do you think? Yeah, I I think there is. I mean, you you see that quite often. Well, yeah. I mean, even the, even the, um, 
the mainstream parties or the big corporate parties, like the Tories, the Tories, even like they, they understand it. That's why they're doing this whole working for workers pivot. Um, you know, Doug Ford's now working for workers, um, talking about what's the, the new affordable, affordable housing task force and stuff that they're doing. Um, so they're trying to try to harness this stuff. I mean, it's, it's all, it's all BS. I mean, this is the same government that canceled the, the $1 raised to $15 an hour in 2018, uh, which, you know, cost minimum wage workers in the province over a billion dollars at that stage. And now they're bringing it in this year and pretending that they're doing workers a favor. Mm. Um, and then the, the, the question about affordable housing, I mean, this task force they've just struck is filled with bankers and developers. And they're talking about just letting people build wherever they want. That's the solution to, uh, to housing. No, it's the, the developers and the, the banks are, are the ones that got us into this mess in terms of having one of the worst housing bubbles on the planet, um, especially in Toronto, but now it's all over Ontario. Um, so yeah, I think people are paying attention to it and you can even see it, um, you know, the people that are offering false solutions. Mm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, especially during the pandemic, you know, with uh, CERB and people saw that governments can bring in real programs and spend a lot of money really quickly. Whereas before, you know, it was like, well, I can't do that. It's, you know, just austerity, austerity, austerity. But, you know, they spent over a hundred billion dollars on the wage subsidy program, which I think we're going to be finding out for years um, that it all went to the, the corporate executives and stuff and didn't actually get trickle down to wages. But CERB, to a certain extent, was direct support for people. Um, and it wasn't enough, 500 bucks a week, but it's a hell of a lot more than ODSP, like you were just saying, mm-hmm. or, or so even social assistance in, in Ontario. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the money's there. Um, the money's there. The com- people have seen it happen recently. And um, the Liberals and the Tories are pretending that that they can do something. So I think the conversation is there. It's just the real solutions are not getting put out there. And even the NDP, to a certain extent, um, you know, they're not they're not advocating any longer for universal social programs or like significant um, changes in terms of living standards. Mm. Uh, so, you know, they've really failed to put forward the things that would really galvanize people and expose what the Tories have on offer, which is just nonsense. Um, so that's why we need to, you know, we'll be we'll be pushing uh, real demands like raising the minimum wage to. $23 an hour, which is a, a living wage in the province, doubling social assistance rates, bringing in a guaranteed annual income, which would be associated with that. So not a universal basic income, uh, but a guaranteed annual income where everybody um, would get at least double the, the current social assistance rates for a living, a living wage. Um, and then the housing, you know, that's, this is a huge, I'd say one of the sharpest attacks on people's living standards these days mm-hmm. is, is housing. Um, just rent going up incredibly, and they're pro- it's projected to go up another ten percent in the next year in in, in Toronto. Um, so uh, you know we need real rent control, not only rent control uh, and vacancy decontrol, but like also rent rollbacks. And what is affordable? Everybody talks about affordable housing. Well, we, we're saying it needs to be based on twenty percent of income, um, average income. So if if we use that as the benchmark to try and roll back rents, that would that would <laughs> give a lot of people. Um, more income and um, also obviously childcare is, is a big deal, um, especially for, for women that it makes increasingly less um, sense for them to be in the workforce. Um, and there's mm. been a massive uh, 
wave of, of people, women, especially leaving the workforce under the pandemic. So bringing in childcare in the province and Dougie still hasn't signed up for that, but we, we, we need not only $10 a day um, childcare, but also a public universal system. And we, we say free across the province. So stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, as you pointed out, Ontario is the one province or territory that doesn't have a $10 per day childcare deal yet. That seems like something that's not, great uh if if you're going into an election uh i guess the question is um if if priority number one is to sort of get rid of doug ford um that's like not a guarantee despite everything despite you know everything we've been talking about the last several minutes i mean just is, is this apathy is this um you know i i don't know what it is it's just you know the devil you know I guess, you know, how, how, do we, how do we, how do you propose? And I guess this speaks to what sort of the Communist Party itself can do going into an election as, as sort of like a, a, an influence, uh, a kind of political influencer. But, you know, as we were saying, it's, it's a three-way race. It's not at all certain that Doug Ford, despite trips and, you know, almost seemingly on a weekly basis, he still could be premier this time next year. Yeah, it's scary stuff. Um, and I think, you know, this pandemic really interrupted things in terms of his um, his term. Mm. Like you saw, you saw some resistance, but there was a delay, you know. I think people were, especially the labor movement, was kind of shocked that he, he got in. Mm. Um, and there should have been a fight right away because we knew what was going to happen. I mean, he didn't really run on a platform, but we could have guessed what was going to happen, right? Buck a beer. Uh, yeah. So there was a bit of pushback around the Toronto Council stuff in that fall. Remember fall of 2018, he, he went after Toronto Council during the election. There was some movement yeah. building, but it was really 2019 when he brought in that really harsh austerity budget, restructured healthcare, went after the teachers, cut, cut a lot of funding out of education. And then we started to see, um, you know, some, some big demonstrations at Queens Park. And then we saw the teachers strike, which was mm-hmm. getting a lot of support. Um, and then uh, there was a couple high school walkouts with like hundreds of thousands of kids involved in 2019, 2018, 2019. Um, so there was a bit of fight back there, but then the pandemic really brought that all down to a, a grinding halt. Right. Um, and I think people have been more focused on Doug Ford's um, uh, health med- like pandemic response. Mm. Uh, and he got this whole second honeymoon, remember, at the beginning mm, of the pandemic? Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, well, this guy's better than Trump because he is not totally downplaying the, the yeah. stuff. <laughs> but he was better in, in speech, but not not so much in practice, right? I mean, um, there was still, I mean, just mass death, preventable mass death in, in long-term care. Um, and even up till now, he's giving out more and more... Um, uh, licenses to some of the worst uh, long-term care uh, corporations that that um, right. you know, most people died in, and just the lockdowns, the, the wishy-washy lockdowns that would um, drag on forever. And get, this gave the ultra right a lot of um, a lot of ground and a lot of space to to breathe. Um, you know, and there and there were protests here and there, especially a lot of health workers um, got a lot of play in the media and and were speaking out and. So there was that kind of opposition and you see that in the last year, I think where his, 
his popularity has plummeted around um, when the when COVID has has gone back up. Mm. Um, so I think there is opposition to and an understanding of of his uh, particularly terrible COVID response. But I, I do think um, it's up to us. It's up to the labor movement to get out there and build um, escalating action or, and talk about his um, his austerity measures that people I think some people have forgotten about 2019 and the big austerity budgets then. Um, and we got to put forward a, a fundamentally different alternative, uh, which the Liberals and the uh, the NDP are not. Uh, mm. So people have something to actually fight for too. So it's not just like, well, we'll move from harsh austerity to austerity light with the Liberal government or whatever. People, that's not really going to mobilize a lot of people. But I, I do think this spring leading up to the election um, is pretty critical in terms of uh, um, having some kind of escalating action and real resistance to Doug Ford. Going back to 2019, I think would be good. My suspicion is no one is going to be running on austerity light, but uh, that that's that's my that's pretty strong. Um, just to confirm, there's uh, there's going to be a communist candidate in Guelph in the the proverbial hometown where you're you're planning for that. Yes, we we cert- I mean uh, we haven't signed all the paperwork or whatever, but that's certainly our intention. Okay. But Drew Garvey, it was so great talking to you and uh, thanks for your time. And uh, we will see you on the campaign trail. Maybe we'll see you even in Guelph in the near future. Yes, I'm looking forward to listening to your election coverage. Thank you. All right. Thank you. All righty. So that was Drew Garvey of the Communist Party of Ontario. He will, as, as people may have heard, he will try and be coming to Guelph in the election, presuming there are, we're a little little more relaxed with the public gathering things you know next mm-hmm. month will or later this year what year is it what month is it who knows well, i think i said this before it's march 800th 2020 right but yeah yeah that's a so that's we... three provincial leaders you've spoken to in the past while right so we'll we well, get all of them on you, that is four, the great question four right? if you count mike i did count mike okay mike we did mike we did andrea last summer we did Stephen Del Duca, I think about a year ago. Mm-hmm. So that's four with Drew. And Drew, right, it's missing. Well, and who is the leader of the peoples? We'll never know. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, before we get into any more convoy or people's party jokes, uh, we hope you enjoyed the show. You can stay connected to us at our website, opensourcesguelph.com. We're on Facebook at Open Sources Newswire, and we're on Twitter at OS underscore Guelph. You can check out the show again by downloading it from our website every Monday. You can get it at the Guelph Politicast channel on Podbean or through your favorite podcast app at Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson, and you can check out my news and politics site at guelphpolitico.ca. I'm Scotty Hertz on Facebook, Scotty Hertz on Twitter. And for all things CFRU, check out cfru.ca slash shows. You can find out when we're on again and off again and everything's going on again. (laughs) Honk if you love open sources. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Stay tuned for DJ Sounds. Good to be here at the top of the hour on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. We will return next Thursday at 5 for more open sources. And we will see you then.